I love it because no girl in the history of the world has ever done that. That's not how you put a towel on as a girl. But in movies, when you want to show those titties off, that's what you do. It is horror boobs. You have to do it, right? <laughs> I'm not um, complaining. So, I'm not complaining. I will look. Oh, I didn't say you were. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, Disco Citizens, the podcast where gore hounds and best friends, Terry Gamble and Julia Marchesi, break down a different horror movie each week, exploring a multitude of genres, sub-genres, and sub-sub-genres, classic and cult, international and underground flicks alike, determining which films are the goriest, and offering up Horror Movie Survival Guide tips to, to help, help you stay alive. Hey guys, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry. I am Julia. Disco Citizens, this week I hope you are ready for 1970s The Vampire Lovers. The title of this episode is Everybody Must Die. And the tagline for this movie, an erotic nightmare of tormented lusts that throb in headless undead bodies. That's what I'm talking about. That is the best tagline of the year so far. (laughs) It's pretty fucking good. Gonna give that a shout out. That is hot, hot, hot. Yeah, oh my and God. not wrong. Uh, this movie, it delivers on those fronts. It so literally is- starts in the first two minutes with a decapitation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's on it. Uh, so this, uh, this movie, part of our lesbian vampire round. Uh, and like many of the v- movies that we've covered that are uh, based on vis- lesbian vampires, this is based on a Jay Sherrin Lafanu's story, Carmilla. So this is written by Tudor Gates, Michael Style, Harry Fine, and Roy Ward Baker, who oh, they had uh, a party. He, he was the director. Yeah. Uh, so this is a Hammer American International film. So that should tell you something right off the bat. As soon as I saw Hammer on the thing, because I didn't know, because, you know, I try not to look these up before we watch them because I just want to go in as cold just to like, you know, I was like, oh, this is about to be good. <laughs> as soon as I saw Hammer and the name. Yeah. Like, on the, There's going to be some, some outstandingly gorgeous yeah. ladies. Yeah. Uh, so this begins with a note uh, which says, this thus ends my account of the fearsome Karsteins. Before God, may we be spared from these supernatural happenings again. And is signed Wahim von Hertog. And then we have a card on top in memoriam, Isabella von Hertog, 7075 to 1779. Uh, so we go, okay, all right. We know what's happening from the beginning. Yeah, from the jump. And, you know, he's like, he vows basically death to all vampires. And you're like, oh, this guy's already on the hunt. And, uh, you know, he talks about how they have a thirst for blood and they will not be satiated until they are done, basically. So you get he's on a full mission. Yes. And um, mm-hmm. this is the Baron. But, yeah. Baron so Hartog. Mm-hmm. Yes, he says they are mur- the murderers from beyond the grave. So uh, this is a, you know, we something we love about vampire movies is always the the slight altering of the rules in vampire <laughs> movies. And so this one has a, a cool one where the vampires are shrouded. And if they their, their shroud is taken, they cannot return to the grave at night. So this is a way to to best a vampire movie. Yeah, it's so a burial shroud. The, I yeah. love this. And it, they also look kind of ghosty when they're like kind of wandering around with the shrouds over them and stuff too. So, yeah, I was like, ooh, new rules. I literally said that to my friends I was watching this with. So um, I was like, ooh, got very excited. Um, but so we, I love this too. We cut to the pub and yep. like it feels very Ren Fair <laughs> to me. I was like, oh, maybe like nostalgic for the Ren Fair, seeing like ladies in bodices and in a pub and drinking along. And there's a guy who goes outside for a pee. Um, he's not going to make it back into the pub because he is wandering out at a night when there is a shrouded vampire wandering around. Mm hmm. 
And he's going to fall back into the pub dead. Yeah, he is. He's going to be dead. And there's going to be the Baron. And still, he he lures the vampire into the castle because she uh, he has her shroud. And the vampire is luminously gorgeous. And you can see how you would be hypnotized by her, even if she wasn't a vampire. If she disappeared before, you'd be like, holy fuck. And he has that moment where his eyes are like, oh, I didn't know she was going to be so uh, captivating. Um, Okay. But then like, she's beautiful. But then all of a sudden her teeth come out and you're like, oh, okay. You're also a monster. (laughs) And he cuts off her head and we have credits over the severed head. Yes. Hammer knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Quite right. Mm Mm-hmm. As we come back after the credits, we're at a ball. Um, I was like, yes, we're getting literally so many things in the first five minutes of this movie that I'm already just like so invested. Um, It's a beautiful ball. It reminds me of like My Fair Lady where it's like, you know, the women and gentlemen, you know, coming in and presenting and you're like, ooh, who's that girl? But all of a sudden, you know, when the vamps show up because everyone's heads turn, there's a lady Mm -hmm. in a gorgeous red dress and, you know, there's like she's just captivating and it's definitely the Carmilla basically woman. Um, and uh, a, a countess, uh, you know, showing up and she is stunning. And her name is Marcia this time, though. So they're giving a, a, a play on the words, an anagram, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun because she gets to be Marcilla, Carmilla and Miracala through this movie. And like they're just having fun with that. They're just mixing up some letters. Let's do it. So we we also see Hammer staple Peter Cushing, who is at the ball. He is General von Speilsdorf. And I feel like it's one of the only times at the beginning of this movie that I've ever seen him smile where he looked really happy. I was like, I don't think I've seen him smile. Yeah, because he's every movie he's ever been in, he's like an evil or brooding man and he, not, he he's not known for his smiles, but it is really no, cute. And it is, it is it a was. little bit. I was like, oh, he's having a delightful time. I was like, oh, it's about to go bad. So they have to show a little bit of happy at the beginning. So it's like this jaunty party and of course all the like gentlemen and soldiers and guys like their heads turn and they're like, who be that girl? I want to be near her. She is so hot. Yeah, because uh, this is Ingrid Pitt, who is uh, well known to be, you know, outstandingly out of this world, right? Like they know what they're doing with this casting. She's 1970s Elizabeth Hurley. Like she's so pretty. She's beautiful. Very, very much so. So the Countess shows up. This is her mother who is has this, oh, well, you know, I got to go because my brother's sick. So can I just leave her with you? Just well, she gets an urgent cool? messenger, so it's not like she's just like randomly doing it. It's like it looks like this guy who comes in and whispers in her ear and her face changes. So she does a very good job of setting up this premise that like, I just got to leave this girl here at your castle if that's all right. And this is back in those days when people were like, yes, like you didn't have hotels. You'd go like if you were like landed gentry type folks, countesses or titled folks, you stay at the castle. It's like very like Pride and Prejudice where you're like, oh, we should just be at the estate for the week, you know, mm-hmm. so – Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, so yes, they, yes, we will care for her. Mm-hmm. No problem. And he also has a daughter, Laura, who is played by Pippa Steele, who is, uh, you know, very, very bouncy and, and loves loves the world. And she has her hot boyfriend, Carl Ebhart, who will be important to this story. Uh, but as soon as Marcella sees Laura, she's like, oh, OK, you. I want you. Uh-huh. So they, as she's staying there, you know, she takes her down to like kind of like the solarium or garden kind of like that they have. And she makes her a flower crown. I was like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. When someone puts a flower crown on you, you're done. 
<laughs> it's like at the festival. <laughs> she, she looks like Alice in Wonderland in real life. She's like such a sweet little face. This little Laura thing. with her little blonde hair. Yes. Yes. Uh, we get a, a cool art house 70s sequence of Laura having a nightmare that evening. And then when she thinks that there's a cat who is on top of her or is coming for her, she sees the eyes. Uh, now she's suddenly weaker, paler, feels less energetic. Hmm. Yeah, strangely. Um, and the doctor thinks she has anemia and he just blows it off. He's like, oh, she just needs more iron. All the girls, they're not eating these days. You know, all those young women just fasting. Uh, I was like, oh, eating disorders for all time. How exciting. <laughs> uh, Dear God. Uh, it's been forever, huh? Wow, that's all fun. Time. Yep. Yeah, it's very all. much so. So he's just Let's like, not yeah, get down that road. Sorry. Let's not go down the road. What road it's we are going to go down is uh, Marcella and L- Laura having a little kissing, a little kissing. We can oh, talk about that. Yep. Yep. Uh, and she can, she has the power to just appear, which is pretty good. A good, a good vampire power. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. She's, she's super magic. And so, um, you know, they call the doctor again and, and, you know, um, and Laura calls for Marcia the whole, Marcella the whole time. Um, and, you know, she's like, oh, she's, she's got it. And they also look at her and she's got bite marks on her boob when they examine her, when the doctor does examine her. I love that. I love um, that this vampire is like, I'm not going for your no your throat. I'm going for your tit because there's also nice arteries going on right there. And I am just going to let's get down to the source. Also more fun for the cinematic moment of the cinematography when they do these moments. These too. Reveals, it's really great after yeah. mm-hmm, these reveals are really, really fun because it's not it is unexpected because you are looking for it there. Um, and so um, she is. But it turns out Laura dies. Um, and, uh, you know, the curtains are open and they're like, uh, what happened in here exactly? Um, and then we get a little cut of, uh, Marcela's grave and you're like, oh, okay. Now we we're putting all, all the pieces together now. Um, and so the countess's carriage though is off to another location, mm-hmm. uh, that she's taking Marcia to. Um, but of course the carriage hits over a rock and a rut and they get stopped in the road and by happenstance, there's going to be another young girl, Emma, who needs a new friend. <laughs> uh, yes, this is Madeline Smith playing Emma Morton, who, again, I just I can't even like the red hair and the pale skin and the like, you know, she's she's so looks like a sacrificial lamb, but like a beautiful fawn. She just lo- she looks like she's begging to be killed in a horror movie is what she looks like. <laughs> That's why she got cast. Um, she gives me like, I don't know. She's like um, a very angelic, like Karen Gillan, like mm. kind of like a little bit of, Karen a, of a vibe. Karen already you know? pretty, pretty angelic, but this, this, you know, this is a. But Karen also has that badass streak, yeah. streak through her that this girl does not have. That's true. Um, and so, um, yeah, so they become friends, of course, fast friends, her and um, uh, Carmilla this time now um, <laughs> has changed names um, and um happens to stay there at their at their home um and uh you know through the, through the turn of events and uh well well this is this girl likes her dresses yeah this and this scene this scene i think is the scene that we all we all paid our tickets for this is this is the scene folks this is Car- camilla's just taking taking a bath she's taking a bath and and treats it as the most natural thing in the world which it is this is when the bathtub was in the middle of like the bedroom back in the day yeah. which like you know like in like this ladies changing room kind of area it's not like in a bath like proper bathroom bathroom like it's like they had the, the maids had to come in and pour the water right. in you know it's like one of those like steel tubs so she's just chilling chatting and, and, as and it, um, it, emma looks at her dresses on the bed yeah and it should be a natural thing but in probably in 19 late 19 1700s in england 
probably not a very, you know, and so Emma's very, she's like, oh, just try on my dresses. It's fine. And it's a very natural thing. And just take all your clothes off. It's fine. Like, take it all off because you got no undergarments. They're not in this dress. Take it all off. Um, yeah, she's like, that dress, you're not supposed to wear undergarments. It messes the line of the dress. And the girl's like, oh, but that seems naughty. And you're like, oh. Never, That's how she do though. Yeah, she never go around without no no corset on before. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and this is, I love when when uh, characters do this in movies. Uh, she gets out of the tub, puts her towel on, but puts it around her waist, which I just I love it because no girl in the history of the world has ever done that. That's not how you put a towel on as a girl. But in movies, when you want to show those titties off, that's what you do. <laughs> It is horror boobs. You have to do it, right? <laughs> I'm not um, complaining. So, I'm not complaining. I will look. I didn't say you were. I'm just saying. It's just hilarious. So Emma dreams, you know, um, now to uh, she the next night of, of a great cat and enormous eyes. So we're getting this theme again of like these these dreams of cats and things like that. But she's got this governess. And the governess is like, girl, there's too many fairy tales. You have this great cat, Gustav, right here. <laughs> like he's the cat this is what you're what you're freaking out about she's like oh no it wasn't that cat though like she's like this is the only one you're gonna be okay um but she's you know fretting over all of it and it's just it's it's it's, it's a problem uh, yeah Mad- um, but mademoiselle like, perido who is the governess who is who is suspicious yes. of of carmilla because carmilla comes in and falls in love it seems immediately right because she comes in and is like i don't want i want you to love me for the rest of my life i don't want you taking him away from you so this seems like this is the one that she like laura was disposable but emma like this is the one that she really really wants and it seems sincere i don't feel like she's mm-hmm. playing her in any way like she's just obsessed mm-hmm. with her immediately absolutely and um you know she's uh yeah carmilla um as emma is, is fretting like says she'll help look over her and like she's like you know there to um help care for her but they have a really fun like repartee and conversations about um boys because she's reading a book to her um about like oh you know manly kisses and stuff like that are like things in the book and she's like oh this is terrible book so silly and she's like oh what do you mean you don't want a boy to kiss you and Carmilla's like "Mm, not really (laughs) like (laughs) nope not what I'm really after but uh if you if that's the kind of thing you're into and she talks about her boy Carl Eberhardt and she's like uh, she declares her love for that and Carmilla gets freaking jealous yeah but also this was laura's boyfriend so this is something like Mm -hmm. laura just died so she's like "Eh, gonna move in on in there you know like it seems a little cold on emma's part but there is a they are playing outside one day and a funeral procession goes by and the sound of the priests chanting makes carmilla go mad and she's screaming at them to stop and she's like emma think that's a little bit weird and now emma's also she also said the sunlight hurts her eyes because she didn't want to be fully outside to watch the procession either so sit in the shade you're like oh okay lady she can mm-hmm. go out during the day but just prefers to be in the shade uh, and this is something where now emma's starting to not get tired at night anymore uh, but only feels excited at night oh you feel excited maybe we should do something about that and 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 maybe they do folks maybe they do a little something about that yeah 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 um and they have a little kissy kissy time and some moments you know but emma wakes up screaming again and she's got another dream again about the cats and all that stuff but um, when she's up, um, the governess notices that she has some little couple little marks on her boob. Um, and it is uh, uh, Carmilla plays it off that it was a brooch that she gave her that was extra kind of sharp that she cut herself on. But we all know those are vamp bites mm-hmm. um, as the audience. Uh, but Miss uh, Governess Peridot does not know. 
And Carmilla uh, gives her a brooch as well and basically puts her under her freaking smell. And now Miss Peridot is into it and she was the one who wanted it all the time. And now she is in part of this party now and they make out and have a moment now too. Yeah. Carmela, she's all over the place, man. Whoever, whoever's around, she will take what she can get. I like the idea of a vampire enchanted brooch. That's kind of a fun idea. And uh, the actress who plays uh, Miss Herodo, uh, Kate O'Mara, is really great at this switch of being very cold and then all of a sudden being real hot. And you're like, okay, she's her definitely a change in her character. Uh, yeah. and she's trying to get uh, Carl has been told to come and look at Emma, and uh, the governess puts her off, puts him off, says she can't can't come in. And now an unexpected hero comes into our third act. Uh, Mr. Renton, the butler, suddenly is like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Who <laughs> just comes on in? Like, oh, okay, servant to the rescue. I like it. Yeah, and so he's he was supposed to be in charge, but it's like one of those things where it's like, since the master is away, they're like, the governess is like, I'm in charge of her. He's like, well, I'm in charge of the whole house. So they're kind of butting heads about what needs to get done based on what the orders were from the master, right? Before he left, he was like, basically like, make sure she's okay. Make sure, you know, the house is, is going on and like anything that she needs. And so they get into a fight now here too about wanting to bring the doctor back. Um, so Renton would like to bring the doctor but because uh, uh, Peridot is under Carmilla's spell, she's like, no, we can't bring the doctor. I don't want it. I will call for the doctor when I need it. And she's all blissed out because this is like the morning after. Um, and she's been like kind of in a little like love days this whole morning. But also like, again, doing all the bidding for Carmilla. Uh, so the the, the doctor uh, does uh, uh, arrive and tells the butler to bring in garlic flowers for their antiseptic benefits. You know, Sure. And puts a cross around her neck for health benefits because it's, you know, back in the day, I guess, you know. I kind of sure. like this, this Mr. Renton just kind of showing up and all of a sudden being the hero. And also like it being this class kind of war. Uh, and also, you know, I don't, I'm sorry that I don't know the exact order of uh, people who are in charge of a house in the late 1700s in England. But I would say the butler would be in charge, right? If he's yeah, the butler's of, head of household, he yeah. would be in charge of the whole house, no matter who works mm -hmm. there, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're, I'm on his side, and he is he's good at standing his ground uh, mm -hmm. for 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 a while, <laughs> for a while, for most of it till he falls under. But you know, it's going to happen. Sure. But um, but Morton comes back, the master of the house, and he's like, uh, wait, okay, we know, like you did the right thing, you know, um. And uh, the, oh, sorry, got a little the, lost The notes. doctor, mm -hmm. uh, he is going to come back the next morning to check on Emma, but he is thrown from his horse and Correct. Carmilla comes for him and he is bitten as well. So now he is not coming to help Emma. But the head of the household, Morton, does come back uh, and he goes to find the doctor because where the fuck is the doctor who's supposed to be there this morning? And he runs into the general uh, and Carl and the Baron, who we know from the beginning of go. the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. So they find uh, the, dead, the dead doctor uh, and they go to uh, the Karnstein Castle. So this is the Baron knows this is the source of the power. We need to get rid of it. This is how we, we go. Uh, I would just like to mention that Carmela does have a reflection in this movie. Always fun to see if that plays into this or not. But we do see her 
in mirrors here. So Renton yeah. uh, at first thinks that it's Perido. He thinks her, she is the vampire. And so mm-hmm. when he goes to Carmela for to talk to her about this, she turns on that vampire hypnotism and he is a done duck. He falls. Yeah, he gets hypnotized and, so fast. And it's the kind of thing where I also see as as the actor where they're like, uh, you need to make out with Ingrid Pitt right now, but you need to be like super fucking into it because you just got under her spell. And he's like, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Right? Like you don't need Noted. to act for that. I would Noted. just be, I would be like, if I have to go as hard as I can possibly go, make it out with this person right now. Yes. Make it out with Ingrid Pitt right now. Yes. A hundred percent. She's stunning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he's hypnotized. So he's like, okay, take the garlic bushes out, get the necklace off her. Let's do this. Um, set her free basically. And so, um, sh- and she kisses him and ravishes enough to bite him. Mm-hmm. And you know, now he's it. on the dark side. Uh huh. Now Eberhard is writing to go try to stop her. He is on a mission. The boyfriend who has been suspicious the whole time of her, um, and the gentlemen are also on the hunt as, at the Karnstein Castle for her grave and the shroud. Um, they are having a hard time locating her grave. Um, and so uh, they don't find her coffin right away, but they um, are looking around for the shroud still, too. Um, and then Carmilla is beckoning Emma to come with her. And oh, no. And poor you know. Perry Doe's like, but, but what about me? And she's like, nope, sorry. Emma's, want this other one. I want yeah. Emma. You can uh, run off. Uh, so uh, she, she, everybody, it's this, uh, everybody's doing everything all at once here at the end of this movie where you have the guys at the Karsten Castle and Carmela's trying to take Emma back, but uh, they, they know that they can uh, destroy her. We have Carl who shows up just at the right moment, who holds up a dagger as a cross, the top of the dagger, which I thought was really cool. He's got a crucifix dagger from his boot. Yeah. As yeah. He, like is in a tussle with her and you think that Carmela might win in for a moment in that moment because they do have a really good tussle and she knocks his sword out of his hand but he had a dagger in his boot with a crucifix and uh, the win. and then he just disappears she just disappears you're like oh okay she can just do that all right cool just disappear well, i mean she did we did kind of see her teleport earlier in the movie so that's good uh so the the guys follow her corporal form to the coffin where they know that she's going to be coming to she has to go every night where cushing stakes her out cuts off her head Yay! And then this beautiful moment where I love because it felt like um, I don't know, it reminds me of the Disneyland Haunted Mansion, but the portrait. Oh, I was going to say Dorian has. Gray. Yeah, yeah, but that they have that same kind of portrait kind of in there too, where it's like, oh, she looks so normal, and then all of a sudden it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, turns into a skeleton. Now Emma and Carl can be together. the The thought of Carl having any sort of mourning for Laura seems to have bypassed this film, and he goes I, no, straight from one to the other. But uh, that's fine. Uh, then it's like the last movie where we had not the last one a couple weeks ago. The um, the Shiver uh, the Vampire. Uh huh. Where she's like, either one of them will work. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like he's kind of like that with these girls. Maybe. I mean, they're both <laughs> like, it's just that that era where he was like, I need I need an heiress. Uh, either one of either heiress yeah, will they're do. They're both beautiful. I mean, uh, but then can I can I ask? So we have the count, right? Who is this guy who shows up periodically throughout the movie and just kind of laughs evilly and i was like who the fuck is this guy and he kept showing up and then they never did anything with it i was so confused who he was do you know who he was which guy i don't know the, are you talking about the baron guy or the count oh rent no the one? count the... who was on the horse and they kept showing him in the, he was wearing like the cape with the hat and he had like the oh, prince yes. valiant bob. and he looked like he was a vamp but he looked like he was yes. a vampire and i was like because he had the kind of teeth and he was super pale yeah. but he's also the one who brought the message at the beginning for yes. her 
was he like the countess's Renfield? Because I, I thought that she was still a vampire and she was still out there. Or was she like a Renfield helping Carmilla? I thought that it was he was like Count Dracula. Like he was like the head dude. And he was watching all like of the this head of the Karnsteins following like, yeah. all watching all of this unfold, but laughing because they think they've won. But actually, like he's actually still there to run everything. Was I overthinking? Yeah, that? that's what I was wondering. Because I was like when he when they cut to him laughing, I was like, I wrote my notes like, are they rid of them now? Because I was like, he's this guy's still there. It seems like they thought they got all the vampires, but. That guy still looks pretty vampy and he's just rides around with this like beautiful cape and cute little top hat. Yeah, I don't blame him. I mean, that's what I would do if I was Dracula. Just rock, rock, ride around in my cool outfit and laugh <laughs> because I've, I know better than all of you fools. I would also- You mere mortals. Like point, like, uh, Terry, let me ask you a question about this. Do you prefer, so we have someone like Carmilla who's doing her own Renfielding, right? She's not, she doesn't have mm -hmm. a go-between. She's somebody who's mm -hmm. doing it herself. Do you prefer that? Except the Countess helps her a little bit. A little, but do you prefer- mm -hmm one or the other like ones who do it for themselves and ones who have helpers i mean as much as we love a renfield of course i'm gonna want to see i want to see a renfield yeah. personally though if you were out you know like i love you know we love that the unrequited yes <laughs> you know situation it's just so delightful and so sad and wonderful that ethos of it um but you know i like that she's doing it for her sisters to doing it for herself i like sisters i like that she's doing it for herself um, because she doesn't have to rely as, um, uh, Nadja said last week, you know, about like the, the, the pain and suffering of the poor yeah. and exploitation. Yes. She doesn't have to do it. She doesn't need it. So how do you survive this movie? You don't look into that woman's eyes, but how, how could you not? I mean, that's the pro you know, that's always the problem with, with vampires is they have hypnotism, right? And all you need to do is look in their eyes once and you're, you're, you're done. So it's very hard to. I mean, I guess there, you know, maybe something like, uh, so we had in, in, in Nadia, we had a uh, Van Helsing wore mirrored sunglasses and maybe that mm -hmm. would be a good way to repel them if they can't actually see your eyes, if you have a mirror right. going back at them. So maybe wearing mirrored sunglasses all the time would be, although Does it bounce I don't back? like the look of mirrored sunglasses and it always freaks me out when someone wears them because then I'm like looking at myself and not looking at them and it's real weird. But for vampire purposes, uh, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. I'm going to, now I know what to get you for your birthday. Oh, they're so tacky. <laughs> I'm not into them at all, but for, for, the, for, but I love it when like Ducky wears them. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, Ducky can pull them off, but I'm, I'm not Ducky. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, sadly I am not. So gore factor one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood and five is run for the barf bag. So we got some good blood in that. We got some decapitations going on. It's vampirism. So mm -hmm. we're going to get some, some good blood. So we give this a four for gore. You when you get multiple yeah. decapitations, that that counts definitely. I think so, and little blood bites and blood dribbling, dribbling, and all that kind of good stuff. And I think just for the decapitations alone, that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty enough. Uh, movie ratings: Chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastic oracle. I give us a five, um, just for Ingrid. Um, this is a beautiful, wonderful vampire. She's fun to watch. I like the play of the Mirkala. Carmilla, uh, the play with the words and and the and the and messing with the format of this story, um, she's mesmerizing as hell to watch, and it was super fun. She gives a really confident performance where you feel like mm -hmm. she really feels like she's better than everybody there because she kind of is. She is, and she could kill any of them, <laughs> one of them, at the snap of her fingers. Uh, I gave this movie a four. I know that when Hammer 
comes out, you're going to get some fun. Uh, you know, they always bring it out with the sets and the costumes and like having a big ball scene at the beginning and like the, the amount that that would be and, and just feeling like it feels professional. I guess, you know, and I, it's lush and, and, and it's super yeah, lush. It is. And I think that there's a reason why they're known, you know, for, for the seventies bringing out so many incredible films and now they're back and making films again. So everyone's happy about that. I love that. So if you would like to talk to us about the vampire lovers, about lesbian vampires, about uh, anything horror related, you can on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we love to talk to you. So please talk to us. If you would like to rate us on whatever you listen to us on, that would be delightful. Share us with your friends. We are three ladies doing it by ourselves. So all the sisters doing it by themselves. That's us. <laughs> it is. Just hanging out here. Um, you can get some merch at our Teespring store or join our Patreon at horror, uh, Patreon slash Horror Movie Subscribe. We really appreciate y'all so much. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you all again soon. Yes. Bye, Disco Citizens. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide.